But I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> is that on the back of your shirt? Yeah, so that's yeah, yeah, something that I just did. Free shout out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want to. Let's do a bit of a catch up first before we jump into things. Yeah. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back. It is the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. This is the nine by nine episode 64. Today's Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. My name is Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago. I am back. Uh, I'm back on the show after a week off, uh, getting married, getting, uh, show, yeah, um, that's it. Show us the bling. That's, that's what go. I want to be. Show us, show us the bling. Let's yeah, go. Got, Let's got, go. Got some hardware. Uh, so, um, I'm back. We had a, a fantastic wedding and honeymoon and this Caribbean Island that the Netherlands owns called Curacao is fantastic. I have expected to see Namir there hanging out, but, uh, he's busy playing volley. Anyway, uh, it was great. It was a great week. Um, Everett did a fantastic show by himself without me last week, uh, which was cool to catch up on, listen to. There was certainly a lot to talk about, uh, but I am back. We are back to our regularly scheduled programming on the 9 by 9 Mr. DeLorean. Yes, and I'm thankful for it. Um, as you can see, we've got the normal set going on here. There's, there's two of us. Um, yeah, just doing those solo shows, is, it's just it's it's hard. Just, it's hard. It's hard. It, it, yeah. It's hard. You don't have anyone to go back and forth with, you know, there's no buff buffer on things like I thought I was going to be able to do that show in like 25 minutes and ended up being almost an hour. Um, so, yeah, but you know what? Glad you're back. Congratulations on the wedding. Uh, you look nice and tanned. I've got short hair. There's been a lot yeah, of changes. He's got short hair. I, I, I mean, compared to the, the intro we just saw with you interviewing Brett Walsh, it's uh, everything's different, you know? Yeah, uh, a little bit of a little bit of different, but still, it's all the same. And we're here to talk about some of the best volleyball in the world. Before we get to some of the matches, we have um, a difficult and sad situation in the volleyball world that came up last week, last Wednesday. Novara athlete Julia Atuma fell out of her hotel room uh, in Istanbul after Novara's loss to Exasha Basha in the Champions League. Um, um, Julia was one of the bright young stars coming up uh, in the Italian system, uh, had played for their UN, U18 teams and U21 teams uh, in the past as well. And, you know, I remember John, or Tommy Blizzard talking about her earlier in the season when we did our, our preview. So um, our hearts and our thoughts and our prayers uh, go out to Julia's family, to the rest of Novara team. Um, and just everyone in the, the Italian volleyball world uh, for this terrible loss um, because uh, we know they're feeling it right now. Yeah, this this is brutal. This was really hard to, to read on whatever. I guess it was Thursday morning um, when I woke up on my honeymoon. I was still just following along with volleyball news, but uh, this was a tough one to read. It's already been a, a hard enough year in the volleyball world with the Turkish earthquake and it's it's there's been just been a lot going on i feel like but uh this is really really sad uh for an 18 year old with so much promise to have this happen out of nowhere after a game and everything it was just a remarkable shocking headline to read so yeah i agree with with you well said prayers to her, her family novara's team and just kind of the rest of the italian volleyball community i know that novara's taken a couple days off uh it's been almost a week now since it happened and they've really taken all the time that they, they've been able to to come to terms with what's happened and they're um, gonna get back to playing some volleyball here in the next couple of days but their uh, their matches or their first couple uh league of volley feminine playoff matches were postponed for very good reason 
Yeah, absolutely. As we said, our hearts and thoughts and prayers go out to to Julia's family and and the rest of the volleyball Italian volleyball community. But um, despite that sad news, we do have to move on and talk about some actual volleyball. So we're going to talk about the other leg now of the. Wow, CEV Champions League semifinals. And if you guys watched the solo show that I did last week, I had no hope for Vaca I truly didn't. The way that Fenerbahce had pounded them in the, the, the first semifinal, the way that Fenerbahce has just been just drilling them all year long in, in the Sutnar Ligi and the Cups and, and everything, the way Vaca had been playing, I had no hope whatsoever. None whatsoever. You have to go into Fenerbahce, win in three or four, and then win a golden set. And not only did they do it, but they did it in emphatic style. This is the best we've seen Vodka Bank all year long. They did a complete 180 in one game alone. And all of a sudden, they've just, just like a blow-up bouncy castle, my hope is back for Vodka Bank Volleyball. Wow, a blow-up bouncy castle. Not the reference I thought we were going to get on tonight's show, but I love it. Uh yeah, I, I was I was with you when I was I, I didn't watch this game last week. I had to caught up catch up on it after the fact, but I thought that there was no way. And like you said, having having to go on the road, win four sets before Fenerbahce won two, like that's hard enough. But more so because of the way that Fenerbahce has been playing and the way that Fenerbahce destroyed, like completely destroyed both Corneliano and Vakif Bank in those three matches in a row. Like the more that they were starting to play like that, and we we talked about. Uh, the service pressure and the high ball like physicality we talked about all that the last couple shows but the more they were doing that like the more data there was the, the as the sample size grew i became more and more convinced that this Fenerbahce team was going to go all the way in champions league and that that they that Bacchus bank there was nothing they could do to come back and it was it was shocking to see the turnaround that the Vodka Bank was able to pull off. It was extremely extremely impressive. Uh, Gabi Guimarães was tremendous. Paula Egonu was just as good as she needed to be. Fifty seven percent kills, only three unforced errors is is incredible. To, to me, it was it really all came down to the two Americans. Jacko sure. was unreal. Six blocks. Kara Bayama, she was the MVP, as you can see there on your screen. She was rid- ridiculous as well. Her passing was just out of this world, like 53% positive, 28, 26% uh, uh, excellent. It, it was unreal. But to me, the big stat on first, there's two big stats for me. First of all, the blocking, yep. 16 for, for Vakif Bank, one for Fenerbahce. How do you only but block then, one ball in four sets? That's crazy. How do you block 16 balls yeah, in four point. sets? And one, of, and one of those is only to 15. But when you look at the set distribution, 32 sets, to Gabi, only 28 to Ogonu. So all of a sudden, they're just not just chucking the ball to Ogonu. They're actually running an offense, and she's being way more efficient. That, to me, it made all the difference. Uh, well said. Uh, somehow, they were able to completely flip some kind of a switch to fight off Fenerbahce's service pressure. And like Fenerbahce didn't have their best night serving-wise, and we've talked about the volatility of that, how you can't you can't guarantee that you're going to just serve the light side every night. That's a, that's a, a skill. It's impossible to rely on like that, but Vakipank did a great job get, putting themselves in the right places to just not get aced. I was impressed by that. Uh, I, I thought the same thing about Zaxa in a couple of their champions league series. They did a great job of just putting balls to the center of the court, trying to get balls at, or kind of near the three meter line and run an offense from there. And that's what it looked like to me for Vakif. And that's exactly what they needed because they only set the middle eight times total in four sets. That's all they need. 
They didn't need any more than that. Because like you said, the distribution and the efficiency performances from all three wings, uh, Bayama especially, totally turning her game around, uh, both passing and attacking from the previous leg. That was really, really impressive. A great adjustment from Gudetti and company. Maybe uh, they caught Fenerbahce on a lucky day where their serving level just came back down to earth a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yep. very, very, very impressive comeback. You can't say enough about it. Uh, as much as I, I think Gudetti had a part in this, to me, this smells like a players-only meeting. This I, smells I like- agree. Smells like Gabi being like, no, you're going to give me the damn ball. I like, I've been here. This has been my team because the way that they were distributing the ball toward the amount of volume they were giving, they weren't just lately throwing balls up to the right side for, for a bonu. It looks like they had a discussion, you know, one of those discussions that sometimes teams need to have. And it's a kind of a make or break point in the season. And this may have just made Rocket Bank season, not only for the Champions League looking to defend their title because they now are in a position to do so. Last week, I didn't think they were, but also moving forward into, into the Sutton-Larb League playoffs. So this was absolutely massive. And if they can continue playing like this, I don't know. I don't know if anyone can touch them, right? If yeah. they play like this, I don't know if, if anyone can touch them. It's it's going to be fascinating because they're only going to see Turkish opponents the rest of the year, right? The, the, this we're, we're, we've got plenty of time before the Champions League final, and they're going to get a crosstown rival and Zajibasha in that one. And I mean, we can look forward ahead to that matchup for the next month and change. But the way Vak is playing right now, especially the way their three wings combined are playing right now, the way they, at least they, the way they played against Fenerbahce. I, I, I like him for now. I think it's it's a very interesting matchup position for position. Uh, Jansu Ozbai had a great match in this one against Fenerbahce. She's going to have to continue to be good to potentially outset Maya Onyanovic. But other than that, like Egonu and Boscovic, that's a toss-up. And other than like the other two outside hitters, I'll take Gabi and whoever's next to her over anybody that Zajibasha can throw out there. And I, I'm really curious to see how that goes. If Akif can keep this, this set distribution, they can keep this execution level... Uh, and, and if anything comes up in the domestic league is that they've got, I think, two regular season games left. If anything comes up there, that, that makes me think any differently. But that, that matchup is just going to be fascinating. And I would have to lean towards Vakifank right now. Yeah, absolutely. Just because we've been waiting for the Giant to wake up. And I think they're awake now. We'll have to see what, what happens in, in their next match once they're their next big match in the Sutenlar League. And as I... As I look through here, uh, let's see if we can find their next match. I think it's it's the end of the season right now, so they're not or end of the regular season. So yeah, they don't have any they don't have any big matches coming up. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see once they finally start getting pushed again, um, because we know how how lopsided the student line is, uh, how how it looks. But man, did they ever look good? Like they they've looked as good as any team. Uh, this year, last week. Yeah, um, it's only one match, but backs against the wall to pull that off, winning four sets before Fenerbahce won two after being completely embarrassed the week before and doing it on the road. That was extremely, extremely impressive. So don't trust me, we're not overreacting too hard. We understand that it was one match, but uh, I agree with you. I think there was probably some kind of players-only meeting that happened, and you've got to think that if a, a certain a certain other uh, Champions League contender on, on the other side, uh, on the men's side, we'll talk about later if they had pulled off a certain similar players only meeting then maybe their storylines would have been a little different a huge credit to Vakit Bank that really just shows the the grit and the heart of those players 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it was it was awesome to see. Sad for Fenerbahce because it looked uh, like they seemed like they were just on a train. It seems like they were on the train to Turin for the finals and that no one was going to be able to knock them off. And one little bump in the road, and that was Vakif Bank in one match. Yep. I'll see if Fenerbahce can do some damage domestically, but yeah, their Champions League run ends. So uh, the finals are set. We've got Vakif Bank versus Zajabasha. Again, that's going down May 20th. So just about a month from now in Turin, uh, men's side as well, uh, all the all-Polish final, uh, Zaksa versus Jaszczemski. So th- that's it for all CEV. We can we can take a break from the midweek CEV action um, until the Super Finals. We'll have plenty of time to preview those two games. But the one other thing we got to talk about, Everett, it is official. Uh, I believe I crowned them at least two weeks ago. But Scandici has won the CEV Cup on the women's side. Congratulations to them. Uh, obviously, yeah. they were going to beat a Romanian they team won- in the final. Uh, they won it when they beat THY in, exactly. in, the, in the semis. One thing quick, real quick, though, is when was the last time we saw no Italian teams in the Champions League finals, right? I know Great it's question. been like, like it, it, it's, it's been a while, but they obviously put the finals in there because at, they were like, well, well, you know, we're probably going to have one team on the men's side and one team on the women's side. And now there's none. It's really too bad that uh, it's not going to be in either Poland or Turkey or or, or, or something like that because um, I'm I'm wondering how many of their own fans are going to be making making that trip to Turin. I think the Polish fans will, especially both uh, Zox is in like southwestern Poland. That's not that far, uh, yeah. like that the town of Kinzirzyn. I could I could see it. Anyway, uh, it, it is it is crazy. And I was I was going to talk about now that all the CEV competitions are over except Champions League final, which are set. We had let's see, Kieri and Scandici both win like European hardware on the women's side. So Kieri won Challenge Cup, Scandici won CEV Cup, and then like you talked about last week, Modena came back in a golden set to win the CEV Cup on the men's side. Uh, but having no Italian teams in the Champions League final on either side. Even though Italian teams won both the club world championships, it is starting to show some some cracks potentially in the both Italian leagues, men's and women's, is potentially the best in the world. I think it's going to be a good argument to have uh, as we get into the off season, as uh, they, they will not hold any Champions League hardware in that country this year. Yeah, it, it's it's very interesting. At the end of the day, I think it's just great for volleyball, right? For I, sure. I absolutely, sure. I think it's a great spot for volleyball that the two. You know, respectively, I think you can say that the the, the two most up and up and coming into like the the, the upper echelon of the elites uh, in the in the past few years are, are are there. So yeah, it's it's just absolutely awesome. But yeah, club volleyball is um, in a great spot. Like n- not nothing to do with Scandici winning Challenge Cup or CD Cup. Like yeah, good for them. We knew that was going to happen. But uh, a bit, maybe a bit of a passing of the torch as far as Champions League hardware goes. And I'm curious to see how that shapes some storylines and this off season of transfers and all that stuff in club, but it's, it's a really cool time, really cool time yeah, for the game. Absolutely. And we'll preview all of those. Uh, those finals are going down. What is that? The 20th of May. Yep. Um, so we'll be able to preview those in uh, about a month's time. Yeah, that's about right. Uh, so it's, it's annoying they make us wait so long, but we'll do plenty of coverage leading up to the super finals. Uh, speaking of Scandici winning in Italy talking about Italian volleyball Everett, let's talk about the super Lega because, uh, like you covered last week, uh, you covered the endings of the quarterfinal series, including Perugia's just stunning choke loss to Milano. But uh, we jumped right back into it. We're underway with the semifinal series. Trentino leads Piacenza 2-0. to zero. Trentino's got one foot in the final. And Milano and Lube tied 1-1. to one. Both 
pretty good series so far. Uh, where do you want to start? Let's start with, uh, you know what, let's start with the spicier one. Let's start with Lube uh, versus Milano. I like that. Because, I mean, man, game one, I mean, Balasso was the MVP that, but to me, kind of began. Zaitsev, man. Oh, oh, Zaitsev. Yeah, you're right. Zaitsev was absolutely unreal. It just looked to like Milano had maybe a bit of a hangover, right? Mm. And they didn't look crisp. They didn't look good. They just, they just weren't nearly as good as they were were against Perugia. And I think that's to be expected. A bit of a letdown after beating the best team in the world. You know, after that, that big emotional play. Uh, but you know, I watched them their their game on Sunday uh, against Lube, and man, w- w- were they ever? Do we want to break it down? Do you want to break down this this first game first? Is that that's yeah. how we want to do it? Let's, okay. let's talk about the first game at least a little bit because I think yeah, the second game was certainly closer and more fun to watch. I mean, first game Lube hit sixty five percent as a team. That's ridiculous. You're probably not going to beat a team at that point. Uh, Marlon Yant, 10 for 16 and passed the ball. Yeah. Great. That was impressive. Ivan Zaitsev, I mean, 9 for 11 uh, attacking, which is insane. An ace and 91% positive reception. He's an opposite. I mean, obviously, he's played outside hitter in his career, but he's lined up at opposite. He's stepping into the passing pattern to to let Alex Nikolov just go bang balls, as we've talked about the last couple of weeks. And for a guy like that, who a couple of years ago for Perugia, remember when him and Atanasievich were both on the team, he was kind of annoyed with the idea of playing outside hitter. He did not want to play on the left. And the same went for um, the last year or two with Lube. For him to change his mind about that, to embrace the role that his team needs him to play, and execute at 91% positive, 73% perfect passing is incredible. And is, is just a huge credit to Zaitsev's experience and him understanding of where he's at in his career. I was just really, really impressed. I'm wondering if it's just that he doesn't like hitting on the left side. Because he's still hitting on the right, right? Right, and yes, he's, he but it's, it, He's hitting on the right hitting playing six back uh and and also passing but for me the big one is why are you targeting fabio Belasso 20 times yeah that's right? dumb. why why is he touching the ball the most times on on service and marlon yet only eight come on and marlon yet only eight exactly and i mean nikolov got targeted six times and he only passed 17 percent. so you kind of it kind of shows you on that but um yeah it just looked like lube was the more veteran team in this one offensively Milano was bad right Ishikawa who I mean I I I think you guys heard about how I spoke about him in in the last series and and I'm about to do I'm about to do the same with the next game but yeah he wasn't good he wasn't good this first game he he wasn't good Patrick was was the only one but they just seemed they were slower they didn't like for me for Milano to win, and I think they have a possibility, a chance of winning. After the first game, I was like, man, this might just be a three-donger like, all the way through. Like, It might just be three-dong, 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 three-dong for the series. But for for this, like, I really think that Milano has a shot and, ha- and has a chance to, uh, to to take this one. Because, yeah, let's just jump into, this, the, to the, into game number two on Sunday because this one was absolutely phenomenal to watch. It was a back and forth match. Milano got out to an early lead in the first set, sort of dominated. Then Lube answered, and it was just back and forth all the way. Just absolutely fantastic. What was it? Twenty-two points for Yuki Ishikawa. They hit fifty-one percent as a team. Their efficiency. Let me see here. Forty or forty-seven uh, percent. I I think it was like it was no. 
41 percent efficiency. Good. <laughs> yeah, which is which is pretty damn good, especially when you look at the Lube uh, side of things, where their efficiency was only kind of thirty three percent. Yeah, Milano looked really really good, and I mean. I think it's like them at home is dangerous. I think that Milano Stadium is getting harder and harder to play in. Man, they are so hot in that building. They beat Perugia twice there. They just beat Lube there. They're going to get another game at home for sure in game four, uh, regardless of what happens in game three. And uh, Milano's club president, whoever it is, I'm sure is uh, really enjoying all the all the all the income of those home games, but yeah, it's, it's cool. It's, that's a, that's a great venue. We've seen it. Uh, we've seen Monza play there in champions league before because it's so close there. We've seen some, some great matches there. Uh, I mean, Lube, Lube has shown weaknesses to Milano the last couple of years, even. I mean, they lost to him in the, the cup quarterfinal, both this year and last year. So I kind of had a feeling this was going to be a series. And I think I agree with you. The first game was a little bit of a hangover. I, it's, Hard to blame Milano after the, the turnaround from beating the best team in the world and just laying an egg in that first game. But this is a little more like what I was expecting to see. Uh, Yuki Ishikawa was awesome. He has really raised his stock and just in in my opinion and in just uh, in the, the list of world outside hitters to hopefully a lot of people this year. He has had a phenomenal, phenomenal season. He really and, has. And watching watching Milano's games from uh, like with our volumetrics asset access, getting to watch it from the baseline, really seeing the way that he reads seams in reception, the way that he defends, the way that he like runs down block touches, the way that he sees angles and attack. He's just really an all-around just fantastic volleyball player, regardless yeah. of his size or uh, whatever you want to say about the Japanese national team. But Yuki Ishikawa is the heart and soul of this Milano team. And he 100%. is carrying them offensively, too, like we've said. Poro is bad at setting behind. So he's going to give Ishikawa a ton of balls in and out of system. And Ishikawa is just such a good all-around smart volleyball player that they're going to have success doing some of that stuff. There was one play at the beginning of the third set where it, it was it was early on that just left my mouth dropped. There's, it was kind of a broken play. They set the ball outside again. He chiseled it off the blocks, and Ishikawa at one hand stab dug it along the net. Turns around and remi- the way he turned to remind me of reminded me of Engapeth, and doesn't even get out that far. Two steps and pounds a ball to to the sideline, and Balasso is there, kind of you know sig- signaling it was out. And uh, they ended up having to to challenge it, and it, and it was in. But that to me is just the ease at which he made that play, and how quickly he was able, to, like, because he went from having his back turned completely to a second later getting set and jumping to hit. That's such a difficult play to make, and it just kind of in, that play encapsulates how well he's playing right now, and and how well he's he's feeling it. He has these up and down moments, like the sets that that Lube wins. He's not as crisp. Uh, but especially down the stretch and especially in that fifth set, he was so clutch. Um, and you know what? People have heard me complain about Ishikawa on the show before, but man, has he ever gained my respect immensely more and more throughout these playoffs. Yeah, he's been awesome. Uh, he's been really fun to watch. And I actually do kind of like the Irvin Ingapet comparison, both like more undersized outside hitters who are just 
ridiculous in ball control and just the natural way they move and think and improvise. And I think there definitely is some similarity there. Uh, also, I got to credit both Milano middles, so Loser and Piano, both incredibly clutch in the blocking game in the fifth set. Uh, those guys are making some awesome reads, and I- I'm thrilled to see Agustin Loser play in the Italian League this year. He's one of my favorite middles in the world to watch and just just ending people's careers with some of the block moves that he makes. I just love that guy. Cool middle matchup, honestly. Like four between these two teams, four completely different guys. I mean, like Chin Yeze and and uh, Anzani against Piano and Loser is really, really fun. I think Piano and Loser too might be one of the most underrated, uh, under underrated middle pairings in volleyball right now. Um, and I really like the way that Poro is able to find them. Like we see, they do they do a lot of drift moves. The way they move off their setter is is really really good. They have clean looks all the time, and I really think it helps spread out the offense for uh, uh, for Milano. And I know that isn't great at setting back, and I do agree. He's doing a better job of it, like especially in game two on, on Sunday. He was doing a much better job of it. Of he doesn't he doesn't because he drops his hands a little bit. And he's not yeah. able to push it outside as as much. Like he doesn't have a, a, a super flick. Um, but when he does, and for some reason, I, like Lube hasn't really adjusted all that much, and Patri is just eating them up down the line. Like um, the majority of his kills are just down the line, just the outside of the block. And he's going clean back door, clean down the line. Um, and and to me, like I think that would be such a, just an easy adjustment. I understand why they're they're blocking at that because they expect that Poro set to be inside, but he's doing a much better job at getting it outside to Patry. Or at least high enough that Patrick yes. can use his shoulder inside out. It's a shot he's really good at. Uh, yeah, I, I like this series. This is a very fun series. We're going to get at least two more games. Uh, the, both, both game threes and both these semifinal series are tomorrow. So uh, this series is really fun. A series that hasn't been nearly as fun is Trentino versus Piacenza. So Trentino three-donged them uh, at home on whatever it was, I think last Wednesday or Thursday. And then uh, they beat him. Trentino beat him on the road three to one on Sunday. Here's the only number, the numbers in this series that matter, Everett. And uh, just, I, I want to make sure you're seated for this. Don't get sick when you hear these numbers. Here are Piacenza's serving numbers through two matches. Seven sets. I knew what you were going to say. Three aces. Three aces in seven sets. 45 service errors. 45 in seven sets is well over six errors per set and only three aces through seven sets. That is vomit-inducing serving. Terrible. Yeah, that is absolutely disgusting. And I mean, game one, it wasn't as bad as as a as a divide. Three aces uh, versus 12 errors for Trentino, but game number two, I mean, seven one, one aces. To 18, one to 18 for Piacenza is versus, so bad. No, but versus seven to 15. Yeah, for for Trentino, <laughs> and to me, when when I look at this, the matchup of Piacenza versus Trentino is a bad one for Piacenza because Agreed. Piacenza is a steady team. They're very very good with ball control, like with with Lavia and and Neto, and of course, um, why am I blanking on, on his name on right, right now? Because because on on the right side, Lorenzano as a libero, like. This is a very, very skilled team, and, and perhaps the most skilled team of all of them. Whereas, let, let's be honest, 
Piacenza is a high-powered, physical, offensively-minded team. Um, and Trentino was just the worst draw for them. In, against maybe maybe even Milano, but still, I think there's there's a lot more cracks with in Milano. Uh, absolutely, but I I don't think I I I expect Trentino to win this one at home for tomorrow. Sure. And if they are able to do that, they are looking pretty for the finals, looking real good for the finals because they're sitting there. They get to rest and they just get to watch film on Lube and and Milano. And I mean. Could you have imagined? There's a possible possibility here that we are going to have a Trentino versus Milano. <laughs> yeah, that Udetto finals. That is. Could ridiculous. you have imagined that at the beginning of the season? And Trentino matches up so well against either of those two teams, against Lube or Milano. Like Trentino is so clean. Now, here's the thing about this particular matchup, like with them and Piacenza, and what why it is a bad matchup for Piacenza. Trentino, as skilled as they are, and is like all around just great volleyball players across the board. Trentino is not a good passing team. Trentino's reception numbers are not very good. No. Like Gabriele Lorenzano is a young stud libero who's already a world-class defender, but is far from a very good serve receiver. And Lavia and Micheletto can really struggle in, in stretches passing the ball as well. So if Piacenza just gives them 20, like 45 points for free in two matches... They don't even that's the that's like Trentino's really only weakness is if you serve the ball like 80 percent inbounds, you can actually take them off the net a little bit. And Piacenza giving so many points away for free, knowing nothing but going for it all or nothing from the service line is a terrible matchup for them. And whatever they do, they will just they have no choice but to switch something up with their service strategy. You cannot miss 27 serves in, in a game and expect to win. But no. Piacenza was down two matches to none against Modena. They were down two sets to none in game five. <laughs> the volatile nature of serving is such that if they somehow turn it around, if they catch fire, this series is not over. So I actually do think that Piacenza will win tomorrow. I think this series, okay. is, going, I think this series is going at least four. I think, I think, I think some, some weird stuff can sort of go on there. I remember last year, uh, in the semifinals as well. Trentino was up 2-0 on Lube. It was over. It was, I think it was 2-3-0s. Uh, we were all like, all right, great. Trentino's playing Perugia in the final. Trentino blew it. They collapsed. Lube came all the way back. I'm not going to crown anybody yet. Too much crazy stuff has happened in volleyball this year uh, for us to be giving out any hardware other than Scandici CV Cup against the Romanian team. But Piacenza is going to have to change something significantly from the service line. It's got to start there. Yeah, I, I would agree. I'm going to push back a little bit on saying that Trentino is not a great passing team because I think that they're they're not precise, but they're solid. It's hard to beat them. It's hard to ace them, right? And that's exactly. But even if you look at the, the passing numbers here, I think in game number two, like um, uh, Trentino averaged a 1.9, one, uh, 1. whereas uh, um uh, Piacenza averaged a one point a one point seven eight, right? So it's kind of in in that that same area. But when you look at the the, the numbers, like both Lavia, like Lavia's passing over it to Amicaletto's at a at a one point nine four. So it it it's it's a little bit closer. But I think because of their loss to to Lube last year, like there's no nothing nothing missing um, for for Trentino. And I think another thing to add on to that is that last year. Trentino had the added pressure of Champions League, right? True. And they were playing. They were playing like 
the season with, with those other competitions. They don't have that this year. So I'm expecting Trentino to take this one in three tomorrow. Okay. I, I, I like that pick. We'll see what happens on next week's show. So we've got both game threes tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern on Volleyball World TV. Uh, very possible that uh, Trentino wins the series at that point. Game four, uh, Milano versus Lube. Let's see when that is. I'm assuming it's either Saturday or Sunday. It is the 22nd. That's Saturday. So a Saturday noon Eastern uh, for game four and that one in Milano. Uh, maybe maybe that series goes five. Maybe it's over at that point, but we'll certainly catch up on next week's show. So ever before we move on to the Italian Women's League, uh, I would like to give some of my thoughts on a lot of your conversation on last week's show, which, again, you did a fantastic job just just going nuts by yourself for an hour talking about a, a super team assembled like Perugia who collapsed in, in two competitions and the, the, the loss to Zaxa in four. I mean, they lost the first two sets and it was over in champions league at home. And then they lose to Milano at home to get knocked out of the Scudetto playoffs. I mean, I, I think you said it really well last week. I think the, the, the most obvious thing here is that since that loss to Piacenza and the Copa Italia semis, Perugia hasn't been a team. They they did not use that as a galvanizing event to come together as a team. Instead, they remained fragmented. They were a bunch of very good individual players, but their team dynamic, their team system, and clearly something in their locker room, and including like on the way all the way up through the organization with Anastasi and Sirci and everyone involved, that was a broken, fragmented team that was never able to come together. I think you said it very well. Another thing that I liked that you said was the the block defense like in a technical perspective the block defense that Perugia was using badly against both Zaxa and Milano was just not good like the, no. the, the, that should be a good blocking team like Flavio Russo Soleil and like Leon Semenyuk on the left Gianelli and whoever on the right like that that and then Kalachi I know he's old but like he, he's a, been a world-class libero Gianelli is a good defender position six guys should be good defenders like that was a bad block defense team and that's kind of where Perugia would destroy people is when they would they would touch a ball they would that, that's all that's all they would need they would keep it in play they would give it to Leon at the top of the antenna and then he would ruin people's lives in transition and they just didn't turn any touches into anything they didn't block any balls they were leaving seams they weren't communicating it was just kind of fragmented i think it was the same thing i mean you already went over all this but uh help help me out here do you agree with some of this stuff 100 percent, right like it, it's just you could tell that there's just there was no organization right yeah. especially like playing against zoxa and that's their team identity that's one thing right like zoxa to me is the most organized team in the world and i mean how many how many different coaches have we seen them do it with now over the past number this is three years three different coaches and they continue to do it right it's their identity as an organization um but for for perugia there was just clearly no identity other than we have superstars right? right we have some of the biggest names in in volleyball and uh yeah, it, it it was it it was it was tough to watch. It was tough to watch them crumble the way they did. And to me, it was very obvious that they had some issues in the room, right? And you alluded to it earlier that this is a team that should have should have had maybe a closed door, maybe meeting, maybe kick out Anastasi out of the room because we know he's not coming back. There's no way he's going to be coaching there next year, um, and and have a talk. But I don't know if 
there's anyone who's like I don't know if they have anyone with the leadership capabilities that Gabi has for Vakif Bank in that room for Perugia. Man, I just don't know either. And I, I would expect that both Leone and Gianelli could be those guys. Like Gianelli carried the Italian national team for a full summer last year, played every single game, even when he kind of didn't have to, and was a well-deserved MVP of a world championship. Like that should be the leadership characteristic that Perugia is looking for, but just wasn't there. And mm-hmm. uh, another thing that you said last week that I liked is that it, it, it was it was hard to watch Perugia crumble like this. It, it was yeah. It was difficult to watch. And I, for some reason, I found myself rooting for Perugia a lot of this year. I wanted them to to win the Infinity Gauntlet. I wanted them to win all five trophies. And I, I couldn't quite put my finger on why I, I felt like I wanted that until you said it last week. You said that you enjoy and you appreciate watching greatness. And I do too. And like some of the first club volleyball I really ever started following was when Wilfredo Leon was in Zeni Kazan. And that was greatness. That it really, really was. Th- those Champions League series that he won and like that match against Lube in like 2018 or 19 or whatever that was. That was greatness. And, and Vakif Bank last year on the women's side, greatness. It is fun to see greatness in volleyball. In a, in a sport where there's no salary cap and money can buy success to a degree, I was excited about this Perugia team because on paper they were just going to be so dominant, and I kind of wanted to see it. I wanted to see just how good they were going to be. But now I think it reinforces something that I said on the show two weeks ago that the, the method of building club volleyball teams – has now been reinforced once again with the success of Zaxa and the failure of Perugia. Like you said, Zaxa is the most organized, both on the court and top to bottom in the organization. They are the most organized franchise in all of volleyball. They're about to go to a third Champions League final with a third coach. That's completely insane. And they've done that by building teams, not because they can buy all the star power, but because they have done a phenomenal job in building a team that works together and the culture in that organization fosters that just as well. And that is the way to build a club volleyball team, not the Gino Sirci, Jerry Jones, spend all your money way. Mm-hmm. Zaxa is the model and Perugia is not. And although I was excited to see Perugia destroy people this year because it would have been fun, I am excited that the Zaxa method of building a club volleyball organization has once again proven to be the correct one. I think that is good for the game, and I'm excited to see how that affects transfer markets for years to come i think there's there's two things that that come up for me uh, when i hear you speak there first and foremost when you look at gianelli and italy italy is clearly like when italy plays together together they're clearly a team with one goal and one purpose and they're all on the same page right Everyone knows their role. Everyone knows what, what needs to be done. And to me, that, that comes down to Di Giorgi, right? That comes to Fernando Di Giorgi and how, how he runs that team and the way that, that he works with, with all of them. Um, there was clearly none of that on this, this Piacenza team, right? And I think that's maybe where you were starting to see that frustration come out from, from Gianelli where, you know, like, this is how we should be playing. And I think maybe he took too much of Italy onto to Perugia. But I have a hard time putting a lot of blame on, on Gianelli. I think some of it needs to be, especially with some of his set selections. But this is a guy who was serving tough, who was blocking, who was making digs, who was hustling, when we didn't necessarily see other Perugia players doing that. The second is, I think we're more and more we're seeing the national team style of volleyball be emulated within uh, club volleyball, right? 
And, you know, Zenit Kazan, it, those, those Zenit Kazan teams is, is a perfect example of, of, once again, a team all on the same page with one goal and, and, and one style of play. And, but when, when you look back, like, Leon wasn't the, the captain of that team. Like, Maxim Mikhailov was, was the captain of, the, of that team. And they had other superstars who had bought, were bought in, much like Matt, Matt Anderson. Um, and then again, we see it, we, we see it was so that's that's the way Italy played too. And more and more, we're starting to see. For so long, I had characterized professional volleyball as every year uh, a coach teams trying to go out and get get by the best players. And how many times have we seen year after year just teams with completely different rosters? Now, over the past four or five years, we've really started to see teams settle down, start to build them, start to work, you know, like longer term contracts. And I think that's really started to benefit professional volleyball as they're starting to emulate, you know, having a team identity, right. And having, having a team that, that, that you can work with and you're going out to get kids or or new players who fit the identity rather than just like, we know that these, these athletes are good. Right. And I think a team like even though they're in a down year, a down year, Lube is, is one of those teams. Right. They've yeah. got they, they've got a mix of, of young and old. But like Nikolov is clearly like an offensive minded Lube type of player. And, and that's what they want to go what they want to go see. Whereas once again, Perugia doesn't have that, that team identity. They can call themselves the Buck Devils all they want, but they aren't they aren't a good blocking team. Right. So they, they really like Zerci and the rest of that Perugia organization needs to figure out who they are and what they want that i totally agree they are at a huge crossroads in their franchise i have no idea where they go from here i have no idea what's going on in gino Succi's head right now uh probably a whole lot of this and uh, just a lot of a lot of angry italian curse words because they have completely blown it with the best roster maybe ever assembled and i think we should save this for another show ever potentially but another reason why I, I kind of wanted Perugia to to have success this year is because I so firmly believe in Wilfredo Leon. I really, really do believe in him. I believe that he is the best player in the world, and I was excited to see him get back to the top of the, of the game where he belongs. And now I don't think we have a choice but to question his legacy a little bit. It, it sucks. I, I don't want to have that conversation because I'm a Leon fan. I believe in him. Uh, I love watching him play. I think that he's great for the game, but there, there's, there's too much. There's too much in these last couple of years that is forcing us to have the discussion of what, what is going on with Alfredo Leon. Why has, why has hardware eluded him since he left Zenit Kazan? And I think we could do a whole hour and a half podcast on this and really break it down. And I think that we should, so we don't necessarily have to get into it right now, but it's a conversation that's going to start happening I, did, I don't really want it to happen, but we can't avoid it. We've got to really assess, is the best player of a generation, quote-unquote, is that really what he is right now? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think we should leave it with this, Rob. Uh, just a little note from the chat here. Rob, remember when you said you'd bet your life that there's no team in the world that could beat Perugia in a five-match series? I absolutely remember saying that. and <laughs> it, it, it wasn't a crazy take because... The, the the more like the longer a series goes, the better team is going to have more chance of success. And it was more than just the on court stuff. It was the a, another really good exercise in the effects of pressure 
on volleyball and on professional sports. I, I brought up the 2021 Olympics with the United States men a few weeks ago. That was the, the most crippling pressure that I have ever seen a team uh, succumb to. I think uh, the Polish national team has certainly felt a little bit of that. Uh, I think that this Perugia team felt a significant amount of that, probably the most I've ever seen at the club level, a team feel and then collapse under massive pressure. Uh, pressure is very real. If anybody ever says that it's not, they are wrong. They are lying to you. And somehow uh, some team mentalities that are that go way beyond just who's on the court, some teams, both club and national team, are able to handle that, and some of them aren't. And when somebody figures out <laughs> exactly the recipe to that, they're going to make a lot of money winning a lot of games for somebody because it's uh, the last several years, both club and national team pressure has been a consistent dominating storyline. This is just another data point of, of pressure beating an incredible team on paper. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough to see. We believed in them, but man, it just makes it even spicier. The fact that they're out and, uh, and out of champions league (laughs) and out of that, that it's done completely. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. All right, let's, let's move on now, uh, back to the women's game over to the Lega Volley Feminili first round playoffs. Uh, obviously, as we mentioned, Novara has not started, uh, their playoffs. That's going to be happening tomorrow. Um, but Canigliano, they're already on by after beating Busto uh, Arcesio uh, two nothing. Kind of a little bit sad. I, I really like the way that Busto team. They started rough, but they really brought it together uh, uh, later on. But uh, Canigliano will be moving on, looking to defend their titles. Uh, Scandici up one nothing on Bergamo and Malonza up one nothing on Casa Maggiore after uh, after a bit of a spicy match that more the distance well. It was a spicy match. I'm excited to talk about that one. Uh, first, we can talk about Canaliana versus Busto. There's not really that much to say here. Uh, game one was a three-dong. It was not even remotely close. Uh, and then game two was today, uh, also a 3-0. Uh, the, the third set was close. Uh, Federica Squarcini ripped an ace, uh, well, kind of a lucky ace, off the tape to win in extras in the third set. The, 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 the two things here for Busto, one was a, a kind of – unlucky but also bad play at the very very end of the regular season to drop to the eighth seed that was not good because anybody who's gonna we we knew we knew we've been talking about this for weeks you do not want to be the eighth seed you do not want to play Caneliano in the first round in the last week of the regular season Busto dropped down to that spot and here they are against the best team in Italy uh, without a chance and part of the reason why they didn't have a chance is because they didn't have Rosa Maria so Rosa Maria didn't play she suited up at libero for both games just so that she could be there on the bench. She was never going to see the court. Uh, her health was not good enough, and that was uh, that was too much for them to overcome. So I think that's kind of all there is to talk about about this series. Easy, 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 2 nothing for Corneliano. Yeah, absolutely, especially now that they're the Champions League and they only have the Lego Volley Femininity playoffs to look forward to. You have to, th- you have to think that Corneliano is just dominated this league all year long. I expect them to be um, in the Champions League playoffs, but hey, Fenerbahce had different ideas, knocked them out in the the quarterfinals. Um, But yeah, absolutely. This this is a team that is looking really for um, to to win the Italian league. And uh, it's too bad. You know, as I said, like I really liked watching Busto this year. Carly Lloyd, always a big fan of her, uh, American setter. Um, But you know what? At, At the end of the day, Canigliano, just way too strong. 
Way too good. Yeah, no one's yeah. going to beat him, especially a team they're starting opposite. So let's move on from that to Scandici beating Bergamo. Uh, this was uh, not as close as I kind of wanted it to be. I have liked Bergamo this year. Uh, they've got a couple Americans. I like May. I really like Khalil and Nier, but um, not good enough. Uh, Scandici looks very, very solid. Great match from Zhu Ting without even starting. She came off the bench, actually. Uh, pretty good match from Camila Mingardi, who hasn't played that much this year. My one question, though, Everett, is what is going on with Elena Pietrini? There's, there's something, something. I, I feel like she doesn't get on with the coach. I think there was an, some sort of argument earlier in the year that we might have talked about, but she has not had a very good year, and still Scandici is beating a team like Bergamo three to nothing. So it's probably not going to hurt him at this point. But there's something going on there with Pietrini. Yeah, absolutely. To me, it's all around who's the who's the the, uh, the Scandici coach? Is it Barbellini? Is that, yeah, is, Massimo is, Barbellini. That's him. Yeah, Bar- Bar- Barbellini, and th- there's been a few different, uh, different scenarios, and and you know what, my 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 girlfriend, she is not a volleyball person at all, but she's always said that she loves watching Pietrini play, and I think it's partly just because of the joy that she plays with, and we really haven't been seeing that all too much this year uh, at all, and I think it's just partly playing for um, for Barbellini, and and I think that's a serious a serious question mark. Um, when, when you, when you look at that team and, and, and how it's run, um, especially when you look at, cause where was, where was she last year? Was she, was Scandici last year? Um, she was with another one of the good teams. I can't remember if it was still Scandici. I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. She was one of the only players to stay with Scandici this off season. Cause they made so many moves. Yeah. I think, I think they, you're right. They brought in Washington, they brought in Mingardi, they brought in Antropova, they brought in uh, Diao mid-season to set, they brought in Juting, but like, yeah, I think Pietrini was there last year. Anyways, yeah. something's not right there, but it's not going to matter at this point for Scandici. They're going to get past Bergamo on talent alone. Um, unfortunately, that just kind of is what it is. I have no idea why Bergamo's starting Emma Kanyin over Mac May. I mean, American bias aside, that outside hitter <laughs> choice makes makes absolutely no sense. Um, Julia Gennari is far from my favorite setter in the Italian Women's League. I don't particularly love her game. But again, I think Scandici is going to win this series just on talent. So we'll see what happens when they get to play um, whoever the winner of this series is. That, I think, is going to be much more interesting for Scandici. But not as easy for Malone's as we may have thought. A close 3-2 uh, over Casa Maggiore in game one. Yeah, absolutely. It is close. However, once you actually watched this match a little bit and watched how it broke down, um, it was very interesting. 36 errors for Malone's as opposed to only 16 um, for Casamaggiore. And I mean, hey, like they they out attacked them to 74 to 50. Like in all aspects of the game, Malonza, like Malonza might as well have played this game by themselves, right? <laughs> and it, it, and Casa Maggiore still might have won. Right. And, and that's and that's and that to me is just dictates what Malonza is, you know. And and once again, like it's it's just like a weird a weird scenario over there with just so many riches and uh, not much to. It's 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 like they have so many riches but nothing to carry it with. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why they are the title sponsor of the Figure It Out a Week, uh, Figure It Out Award of the Week. Uh, it was interesting to see Dana Redke grab an MVP, only playing like a set and a half. She came mm-hmm. off the bench in the fourth, went like seven for eight, and uh, was a pretty big presence. So that was cool. Another American plug there. But yeah, Malone's is not 
consistent. They're frustrating to watch. I mean, that number of errors is insane, especially 16 service errors in the women's game is too much. Um, there, did you see that play, though, that kind of went viral on Instagram of people discussing if it was legal There's or not? no way that's legal. Uh, with Alessia no Oro, Alessia Oro they- kicking that ball outside the antenna. I think that it is. I think that's legal. I think that's legal. You know, when you go to pursue a ball like that, you have to, the ball has to go outside the antenna. It has to come back outside the antenna. And the player, Actually, you know and the player because... has the player has to go under the net, but outside the court. And I think that I think those three things happened. I think the ball went outside the antenna. Oro went under the net, but outside the court, she kicked it back outside the antenna, and then Malonza kept it alive. Ended up winning the point. I think that that was legal. If you guys don't know what play I'm what play I'm talking about, go look it up. It's on Instagram. Yeah, Oro like reached under the net to kick a ball that was on the other side, and everybody freaked out and. It was a big discussion of if it was legal or not. I think that it is. I actually because the block doesn't technically count as a touch. Mm-hmm. I that is maybe why it's legal, right? And that that's the only way in my head that um, it, it it could be legal because the, because the block doesn't count as a touch because they get the block. She comes down immediately, reaches under and kicks it as as as, as you said. But yeah, that's the only way I could see it. Um, being legal. Where's two jacks when you need him? Our, uh, resident, where's our, our resident ref, our, our resident referee, a boy. Um, but yeah, that's the only way I could see I could see that play being legal. Uh, put it in the comments after the show if if you if you've seen this play, if you know what we're talking about, let us know if you think it's legal or not, and we can uh, discuss it in the Discord as well. Yeah, that was kind of the only interesting thing that I found from this match was that one play because it was so kind of gross and sloppy. We'll see if. Casa Majora can turn it around or if it's just going to continue to be a one-sided look at the series of does Malone to shoot themselves in the foot and lose a game yeah I don't have much confidence like last year there was points where I thought Malone was going to win it all um, but I don't have much confidence that they'll do the same this year yeah I don't either I like Scandici over whoever wins this series uh, in, the, in the two versus three sort of round but uh We'll see. I mean, I think Skandiji's got a couple cracks. It'll definitely be better than um, the, the last series. Let's go back to the bracket. Uh, so whoever wins between Novara and Kieri will take on Corneliano. That is now confirmed. Um, that game one between Kieri and Novara is tomorrow. Uh, game two, Malone's Acosta Maggiore is also tomorrow. Um, game two, Scandici Bergamo is Thursday. And then game two, Novara Kieri is Saturday. So uh, it's possible that our semis will be set by next week's show. Talk about a, a great time off here for Canigliano. You know, oh, obviously, yeah. obviously, it comes in a terrible situation, and you'd never, you'd never hope for that. Um, but you know, ultimately, like they get, like they're going to get until like until like next week, like another week at least of at not least. having to play matches. Yeah, yeah they've got the, their series is over before the, the that four or five series has even started. That that's going to be a huge advantage. Not that Canigliano needed any help. No, not at all. All right. So is that, that about it for uh, the Lake of Volley Feminine or can we can we move on to some stuff? Yeah, yeah, I think that I think that's about it. So let's jump from um what's 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 next here? What's next is uh we gotta plug uh we gotta plug the store. We got you got a nice shirt on over there, Everett. Tell the people about that volleyball dot store. Oh, you know, it's just where you can grab all of our merch, all of the spicy volleyball merch, all of the nine by nine merch. So make sure you head over to that volleyball dot store, use the code spicy to get fifteen percent off. Um 
And yeah, helps to help support the show. If you don't want to spend hard-earned dollars, then make sure you give this video a good old like. Come on, guys. We've had like almost 200 people tune into this show and only 11 likes. Like, be, be better for us. Yeah, right? we can do better than that. We can do be, better than be, that. Be, be better for us. Um, oh, there we go. We, we just saw one come in right, right there. Um, this is the 81 yeah, square oh, meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. And I think that 81 is a nice number. 81 likes a week is a good target because we have, we always have at least a thousand people that listen. I'd say more like 1500 last week, close to 2000. If we don't get, 2, 000, yeah. Oh yeah. If we don't get 81 likes in a week, that that's, that's, that's insulting to the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the internet. So let's make that our goal. 81 thumbs yeah. up. Absolutely. And another thing, go join the Volleyball Source Discord because yes. that is that is where it's at. It's essentially the home of Volleyball Source. So make sure you head, head over to the Discord. Um, there's always, always stuff going on. It doesn't matter where you're from in the world. You can find someone to talk to um, in the Discord. So make sure you guys uh, go check us out uh, out over there. Yep, links in the description. Uh, speaking of uh, fun things that have come from the Discord, uh, if you're familiar with the show, if you're familiar with the Discord, you are aware of my undying love for Dragan Stankovic. And we had the, the debut of a segment two weeks ago on this very show, Where's Daddy? So uh, this the segment, if you didn't catch the show two weeks ago, Where's Daddy? Where's Dragan Stankovic? Because somewhere, somewhere in one of the graphics during this very episode, Dragan Stankovic is hidden. I'm not going to tell any of you where he is, but the first person to find Daddy Stankovic and post where he is, a timestamp of where you find Daddy Stankovic uh, in the comments after the video. So that means after the live stream is over, the first person to put to correctly find Daddy Stankovic and put this timestamp of where he is gets a shout out on next week's show. So two weeks ago, we debuted this segment. Uh, here is Daddy Stankovic. If you look very closely, uh, my, my terrible Photoshop skills, I put Daddy's face right over the Perugia Block Devils logo. And the first person to find it, uh, he actually pointed them out immediately in the live chat. We put it in the comments as well. Bassy Lassie, a regular viewer of the show, they found it immediately and put it in the comments after the show right away. So the first viewer or the first winner of the Where's Daddy segment. So he may have already shown up at some point in this show. He may have yet to show up kind of in the second half of the show. You'll see. Uh, so keep an eye out for Daddy Stankovic. And if you see him, make sure you comment the timestamp of where he is after the show is over in like the main YouTube comments. Absolutely. I think this is this might be one of the best things that we do. This is, I think this is the best thing we've ever done. <laughs> I, and I, I find I find myself so just for full full disclosure, Rob doesn't tell me before the show where daddy is, right? <laughs> so I find myself, you guys are gonna see me kind of looking at the screen, looking around just to see where it is throughout the show. But yeah, look for it. Where is daddy? Um I think we're gonna have to switch up the the picture sometimes too. Yeah, just, I can just, I can get a couple different clip arts of Daddy Stankovich. This is my favorite yeah. one though. Like, just look at the pose. Oh man, this is this is the one. I think I need to find it, but I have a side by side of Daddy Stankovich to John Mayer because, <laughs> in my opinion, they are identical. They are. They are remarkably similar. Uh, I also got to resurface um, before Daddy Stankovich deleted his Instagram, which was one of the worst days of my life. Uh, our, our, our friend Dan, uh, 5-1 Dan, messaged him on Instagram saying something like, Hey, Dragon, I'm a big fan of yours. was wondering if you had any tips on how you keep your hair looking so fresh. And he responded. It was very funny. So uh, I'll post that screenshot in Discord. But yeah, uh, Daddy Stankovic is hidden somewhere uh, in this episode. If you find where he is, 
comment the timestamp after the show. Just just know, I just want everyone to know that when I when I'm preparing for the show, when I am photoshopping Daddy Stankovic into one of our assets, I am giggling to myself. It is it is the favorite part of my day. So <laughs> just wanted everyone to know that. Yeah. All right, let's move on now um, from Italy and Daddy to the Plus Liga playoffs where they have been going hot and heavy. And you're going to see three of them have already been decided, um, which is a, a little bit surprising. Rosovia wins their series 3-0. Not really a surprise over Stalnisa. Um, JW wins their surprise over or their series 3-0 over Gdansk, which was maybe a little bit more surprising. I was kind of expecting Gdansk to win one. What a, a series that I was expecting to go to limit was um, Vortava against Zaxa, but Zaxa just in all-time form here. We do see that those first three matches did go to limit to five, so you know that one was an absolute battle. Honestly, big big ups to for Vortava. What a bounce-back season from them. What was it, like a 14-game win streak after just being did they even make the playoffs last year i, I don't i don't no, even think so they, they were they were third two years ago they played champions league and they missed the playoffs last year that was brutal but and unfortunately they they had the worst draw they could ask for in the four five series that was an incredible series zoxa versus Varshava. yeah like you said three five setters followed by a four set zoxa win on the road and i mean they're playing so much volleyball i mean i think i, I brought it up two weeks ago that the the series, like the games that are in the same place, because they play kind of like two, two, one. Mm-hmm. The first two games are back to back nights. The second yes. two games, back to back nights. Like they are just pounding these guys into the ground. I feel bad for Zaxa. Like, oh, they've had to play with Champions League and everything, but they do survive. So Zaxa versus Rosovia is going to be an awesome, awesome semifinal series that starts on Saturday. And then the last one, the quarterfinal that isn't yet decided, Olshton. Trying to pull off a reverse sweep. They go down 2 yep. nothing in the series. They lose both games on the road at Xavierche, but they win both games at home against Xavierche. And if Olshton beats Xavierche without Josh Tuaninga, that will be one of the upsets of the year. It'll be second only to Milano beating Perugia. That would be remarkable. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's we already know what the biggest upset, like probably of the century already. Let's just let's just call it that. Uh, at, at at this point, at, like it's it might be one of the biggest upsets I've known in volleyball in my in my entire time uh, in volleyball. Uh, but you're right. This one could be a big one. Zavierci just not hitting well. Only 26 percent efficiency in the last match. I mean, Olsten wasn't that much better at 31 percent, but still still better than 26 percent uh, for Zavierci. That's just just not very good. They're just they're struggling to score points. Only twenty nine points offensively um, for Xavierci in that last match match against Olsen. Um Really, they just they just rely so much on Euros Kavasevich. Too much, too much, too much for a guy of that much. play style. And I I think I said it when we did the Plus League preview at the very beginning of the season. We had our friend Adonos on. He picked Xavierci to win the entire league. And the reason I was skeptical of that is because I have no faith whatsoever in David Konarski at opposite. I have no faith in this guy. He is old. He is washed up. He was never very good to begin with. Uh, six for 17 with uh, yeah, three errors great. in the last game. Just like, just not good enough. And Kovacevic is a guy that is so slippery and weird that if you don't know how to defend against him, you can chuck him a lot of balls and he'll have success just like slithering his way through blocks as, as he does. But uh, Olsen is starting to figure him out. And imagine how good this Olsen team could be if Tuaninga was there. 
I mean, could you imagine? This team's fun oh, anyway. Nice. Like, Averill, uh, Mateusz Paremba hasn't even been playing in the middle, but Carol Butrin, uh, Robert Andringa at the left side, which is interesting. Karlitzek, um, and whoever their backup setter is, like, with with Tua Ninga on that team, I I would have I would love to see them go to the semis and maybe even play Champions League next year if they can kind of keep that crew together. To me, one of the the big question marks for for this one is uh, on Zavierci and, and where's Bartosz Kvolek? Is is he injured? Because they have Walensky starting on the left side uh, uh, opposite to uh, Kovacevic. But to me, like, I love watching Kvolek. We got to watch him last year in Ottawa at Nations League when he played for Poland. Yeah, Kvolek's um, great. And you know what? He just adds an, a, another dimension. And I mean, Walensky has just been struggling a little bit. Only 4 for 11 attacking. He did get two blocks um, and, and an ace in this one. But still, overall, a minus one. Uh, there was that Vichy, and I think that's really, really been one of the reasons why they've been struggling so much because they just don't have as many of the weapons as they did in the season. Right, that's very well said. So, game five in that series is tomorrow. Tomorrow is a ridiculous day of volleyball. We've got like yeah. playoffs, and we've got all so, so, so many games tomorrow. So, Discord will be popping off, I'm sure. But yeah, 11:30 a.m. Eastern at Xavierche, uh, game five in that series. Winner of that plays Yashimsky in the semis. Maybe actually Kolek did play in game number three. He was seven for 21 with a 5% efficiency uh, and and got benched after the, uh, after the third set. So maybe that's why we're not seeing Bartosz Kolek at the moment. Uh, He has an infection. Yeah. One of our Polish fans in the chat said he was sick. So maybe he'll be ready to go by tomorrow. Maybe not because that, that game four was only two days ago. That was on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Well, game five goes down tomorrow. As Rob said, massive day of volleyball tomorrow um, because as we jump into, do we want to go to, where, where do we, where do we want to go now? Let's We're stay in Poland. Yeah, let's stay in Poland really quickly just to talk about the Tauron Liga because we haven't covered the Tauron Liga that much this year. It's usually pretty lopsided. Like there are a couple good teams. Uh, Hemik Police wins it every single year. They've won eight of the last nine, but what? Not this year. They are out in the quarterfinals, uh, losing two to one, and both met, both losses at home. So Police will not play Champions League next year. That is very surprising. Now that to me means it's either Woods or Zhezhov's league to win. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think with Zhezhov, they've just been knocking on the door. Like, yeah. how many years has this Zhezhov team just looked good, especially early on, and then haven't haven't been able to get it together? So, um, I, you know, I love Stefan Antigua. He did some great things for my Maple Volleys, and I'm I'm really pulling for uh, um, Zhezhov and that uh, and that developers team to uh, to to take it home this year. And uh, very possible they could. One of their main challengers is out. So Polizia is done. We will not have a repeat. Uh, I wonder how many they've won in a row. I know they've won eight of the last nine years in the Polish Women's League, which is crazy. But So there will be a new champion there this year. Speaking of champions, let's go to Turkey, a match that I had no idea was happening today until I checked out the Discord. <laughs> the Turkish Cup final on the men's side. Uh, Halkbank completely, completely destroying Fenerbahce's men's team. Uh, 3-0, absolutely not even close. Uh, so a little hardware there for Hulkbank Ankara, good for Namir, good for Mike Ma'a, good for Thomas Jeski. Understandably, kind of the Turkish calendars moved back about a month from where most of the leagues are because of the earthquake. But yeah, I didn't know this match was happening. Uh, I did catch most of the third set, and it was a beatdown. This was not even close. Yeah, Hulkbank 
I mean, just has been going to me. They they have to be one of the favorites in in the Turkish league. I was a little surprised they were able to play all those players. Like I guess I guess Bruno wasn't playing, and they had Yigit. Yeah, so they had Yigit on, on the, left, on the side. left side. So yeah, their three foreigners are Jeshki, Namira, and Maa. So that that that's fair game. Yeah, and I mean the fact that the fact that you have Bruno to go to on the bench there, especially um, in the Efeler League, or is that yeah, yeah, the Efeler League. Yeah, just that's 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 what it is. Obviously, that's not what this uh, um, event is. I think is is really really good for for Hawk Bank, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Just pulling up the playoffs um, for them. Oh, they haven't started the playoffs. They are still. Oh, that that makes sense. They are still yeah, in the regular still behind. season. So speaking of uh, the Turkish league being behind on the women's side, there was a good match today. Thy Istanbul beating Galatasaray in four. That was, I think, Thy's second to last match of the year. And uh, in, in winning this game and in getting three points, the top four in the Turkish Women's League, the Sultanlar Ligi, is set. So Zajabasha has got a game in hand. Uh, they're going to get the one seed regardless. But we know the semis. It'll be Zajabasha versus THY, and it'll be Vakif Bank versus Fenerbahce. And only the top four make the playoffs in the Turkish Women's League, which is kind of crazy. Uh, so now with, with one and change regular season games to play in the Turkish Women's League, we know, we know the semifinal matchups already. Yeah, big big game there by Maddie Kingdon, uh, eighteen points there for for Thy, and of course Kira Van Rijk still back home in Canada, uh, where her mom is in the hospital. We send our, our prayers out to Kira and, and her family. Yep. So uh, there are a couple makeup games tomorrow in the Sultanlar Ligi, but then this weekend, Saturday and Sunday, the Sultanlar Ligi wraps up regular season play. So. Uh, yep. That bracket, I mean, we already know what it is, but it'll be it'll be official by this time next week. We do have Fenerbahce versus THY on Sunday, uh, but very likely that both those teams play the bench in that one because it won't affect anything in the regular season. Yeah, it there is it is the we are done the regular season for the Efeler League. Okay, um, Hawk Bank finished at number one, Zirat Bangazi at number two, Fenerbahce at three, Arcus at number four. And then kind of not, doesn't matter after that. Um, <laughs> Bursa at five, Galatasaray at six, Tursad at seven, Sirze at eight, and Sport Toto. Oh, wait, one, two, three, four. Yeah, five, ninth. Six, Ouch. At, at nine. And that was a team, man, that uh, Sport Toto is, is, might have some of the best jerseys, though. I, I do really like their jerseys. But, I mean, they had Wallace a few years ago. I think it was last year. It was yeah. just last year they won the Turkish Cup with Wallace, like kind of out of nowhere. So, uh, yeah, those semifinals were set. Hawkbank versus Arkas Izmir. Uh, let's go back to the men's side. Yeah. Zirad versus Fenerbahce. Those are Sunday. Game one of those semifinals are on Sunday. It is crazy to me that only the top four teams in Turkey make the playoffs. Yeah, that is that is nuts. Hmm. So, is what it is. Uh, those At least the match today, like the, the Turkish Cup final was free on YouTube today, which was cool. Not geo-blocked, oh. so... That that's a, a perk for people trying to watch Turkish volleyball. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. I mean, some of their games are. It's it's really hard to follow the Turkish league because they're all over the place. Yeah, it's there since it's not in one spot. It's a little trickier, but the Discord will help with that. If you want to watch any Turkish volleyball, there's the Turkey channel in the Discord. Uh, pop it in there. We can help you out. Um, moving on elsewhere around Europe, let's talk about the Bundesliga. A lot lot going on here. So the last time I was here two weeks ago, we talked about Friedrichshafen uh, about to go to game three against Gießen and we're going to do it without Dejan Vincic. So they got past that, no problem. And now they're up 2-0 on Lundberg, kind of out of nowhere. 
Yeah, I mean, a couple weeks ago, it was looking like maybe we're going to have some upsets. You know, maybe things are going to be interesting. Even in the, the regular season, you know, we've seen in that that weird kind of one through four playoffs where they all kind of beat each other. But Berlin has just been pumping during in, in their series. And game one between Friedrichshafen versus Lundberg was pretty good. I mean, it went the distance, five sets. Friedrichshafen was uh, the champions at the, at the end of the day. But... But um, it was exciting. Xander Ketrzynski dropped 25 on the right side for Lundberg in that one. Um, but man, did Lundberg ever look, just look discombobulated? They didn't look like one of the the, the hallmarks I've 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 uh, I've noticed from the Burger Boys this year, aka the Americans and Canadians uh, in Lundberg, was they just love playing the game. They were always having so much fun, and you could tell that it was off. Jordan Ewart had a bad day uh on sunday and yeah, it was six for it, 16 blocked four times that's pretty bad yeah it, it was bad xander wasn't wasn't fantastic at, at at all either and as once again he had dropped 25 points on the right side um again in the match before so yeah it was it was a tough to, tough watch but i'm i'm interested to see i think the actually game does game is game uh, game three tomorrow? tomorrow? I do believe game three is tomorrow. So once again, make sure to go check that out on Spontent. The hands down the best broadcast in volleyball, no doubt about it. You don't get any of this 720p bullcrap that you get with volleyball TV and and uh, Euro volleyball TV. You get it in full 1080. It's beautiful. Um, and I I can't understand what they're saying, but at least they've got. You can tell they've got knowledgeable commentators right and they're uh so both game threes are tomorrow uh berlin and friedrichshafen both with chances to go to the final again um i think friedrichshafen lundberg is 1 p.m eastern berlin versus duran is 145 eastern so those will overlap by a little bit and the twitch stream will cover both games so it's a good way to even if games are overlapping and when they're being played you will get to watch both of them which is cool Tomorrow is just a volleyball day, ladies Dude, and tomorrow gentlemen. Tomorrow is a volleyball Make day. Sure to check tomorrow it is a out. volleyball it, day. It is a, It is going to be a good one. I think there might be even more volleyball going on tomorrow in the form of the French League. Let's check this Ooh, out. Yeah, there, let's yes. Go. So uh, the, the quarterfinals. Uh, this bracket isn't up to date, but here's what we got going on right now. So Tours beat Montpellier, no problem. Three matches to none. Tours in the semifinals. Uh, Nantes beat Set, no problem. Three to nothing. Uh, Nantes is in the semifinals. But the other two series, uh, Chaumont versus Saint-Nazaire and Narbonne versus Torquang, both of those are two to two. Both of those are going to match five. Both of those are tomorrow as well. So everyone's going to need like 16 screens to watch all the volleyball that there is tomorrow. It's going to be nuts. Yeah, just just so much. And a lot of North American content on all of these all of these teams playing right now. Of course, uh, St. Nazaire, you've got Quinn Isaacson, Kyle Ensing, Tolkoin, er, and Shomo. You also have Pat Gassman. Uh, as well, who's playing over at, uh, at Shomo's. Marsh, uh, Mike Marshman, VLA guy. Mike, that as Mike, well. Mike Martian. Um, who is it? Is it Kyle Russell who's playing for Narbonne? No, Russell was on set with Derek no, Epp, he, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, no, but I thought there was an American guy. I don't know. But Tolkoin is where you got the trio of Canadians, Riley Barnes, Lucas Van Burkle, and Jay Blankenau. Uh, so the Canadian boys, the Maple Boys, are over there uh, getting it done. Yeah, that one is going to be going into Game Five. I mean, Riley Barnes was fantastic last in, in the last one. Let's see who is it. I thought 
Oh, oh they don't have a really no. There's no. Uh, there's no American. Sorry, I apologize. I thought. Okay. I thought there definitely. I thought there definitely was, but uh, but no. No Americans on uh, on Narbonne. Uh, volleyball uh, source. Volleyballsource.ca for all the stream links to uh, LNV games. That's a free website where you can watch them. You just got to sign up with an email, but you don't have to put in a credit card or anything. So you can watch those two game fives tomorrow. That's going to be spicy. So let's see. We got that. We got Bundesliga. We got uh, Plus League Game 5, Xavier J. Olsten. We got a couple Lega Volley Feminile playoff games. We got the two Scudetto playoff games on the men's side tomorrow. Like, tomorrow's nuts, man. Yeah, so much, so much volleyball tomorrow. I have to I'm, – I'm just going to go sit on the couch and watch volleyball. Or maybe I'll sit on the chair. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what we're going to do? A little bit of both. So uh, – I think last but not least, before we wrap up the show, it is that time of year, Everett, to start turning our attention back toward the NCAA. So by this time next week, we will have the bracket for the NCAA championship. So that stupid, terrible seven-team bracket format that they have uh, selection Sundays this weekend. And that's because all the conference tournaments are going down this week. A couple have already started, but basically all the um, NCAA conference tournaments are doing their championship games on Saturday. So Saturday night's going to be a big day for NCAA ball. Before we get into this, we are remind you all, if there's one place you need to go for NCAA men's news, offtheblockblog.com. Let's go. He posts every day the games that are happening and links to watch them. So that is the number one place that you should go. So a couple conferences. We can sort of whet people's appetites for the NCAA as we uh, start to cover it a little more leading up to the tournament in a couple weeks. Um, The final four is set here. We had a huge upset in the MIVA. Number seven, McKendry, beating number two, Loyola Chicago in five. Damn! Wow. Okay, that is big. So that's uh, first time a seven seed has ever won in the Miva tournament, is what I was looking at. So McKendry takes on Ohio State in Columbus tomorrow night. Uh, Lewis advanced over Purdue Fort Wayne. I think that they had a set four that was something like thirty eight thirty six in that game, which is insane. So Lewis will take on the number one seed Ball State in the the semifinals. There, finals of the Miva are on Saturday. That's kind of like my home conference. So I definitely know a decent amount of the the guys and coaches in the Miva for sure. As far as the EIVA goes, this is Penn State's conference to lose. Everybody knows it. Uh, George Mason plays Harvard. Winner plays Penn State. Uh, Charleston plays NGIT. Winner plays Princeton. Um, This is all at Penn State. Penn State's going to win this no problem. If you remember last year, they got upset by Princeton and did not go to the NCAA championships. That's not going to happen this year. Uh, Pavlik's team is extremely, extremely good. Uh, They're actually, I would... I think it's fair to call them national championship contenders. I mean, you and I, I saw absolutely them. think so. 100%. Yeah, we saw them in Austin Everett, and we were very impressed by Penn State. Very, very, very impressed by Penn State. And I mean, they've beaten some big teams this year too. They've beaten Hawaii. Um, so this, this is this is a team that 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 could compete. Um, George Mason, do they are hosting? They get George Mason is hosting. They do not get an auto bid. So okay. if, if the only way George Mason's going to the, the going to get to play the national championship tournament at home is if they win three games, they're going to have to beat Harvard, beat Penn state and beat someone else on the other side of the bracket. And I don't see it. All right. Ch- uh, Charleston, uh, Luke Reynolds has been doing a fantastic job with that program. They're going to be hosting the North Seca championships later this year. Um, also big shout out to Princeton with their, uh, with their Canadian captain, Alec Mackay. So hey. you know, you know, I got to get that in there a little bit, <laughs> but you're right. This, this is, this is Penn state's uh, conference to lose for sure. For sure. 
the Big West, uh, I think, is what we have up next here. Yeah, uh, so the Big West, uh, a couple years ago, the Big West and the MPSF split, so that, that West Coast is now uh, represented by two conferences. This is So this is Hawaii and Long Beach's conference, and they're probably going to play in the final like we all expect. This is in Hawaii. Uh, UC Santa Barbara takes on UC San Diego. Winner plays Hawaii. UC Irvine takes on Cal State Northridge. Winner, that plays Long Beach State. I expect it to be a Long Beach State-Hawaii final, and that's going to be bar- a barn burner because that has been the national championship game the last couple of years, and that is always a fun matchup. So uh, in, in Hawaii, I like Hawaii, but they're not nearly the juggernaut that they were the last two years when they won Natties like, effortlessly. Yeah. I mean, they were one of the number one ranked team uh, throughout a, a, a lot of this season. And I'm not they sure. still are. They still they, are. They they're still are? Okay. still the number one team in the country, but they're not nearly as like untouchable as they were, especially last year. They were so much better than everyone else last year. Yeah. It's, it's much more competitive this time around, and whoever Hawaii probably plays in the final on Saturday for the conference is going to be good. Yeah, 100%. But, I mean, I would love to see Hawaii versus Long Beach uh, final just because these are the two of the premier programs in North America, but also just two teams that do not like each other very That's much. That's right. Two coaches who do not like each other very much as well. <laughs> that, that is always fireworks when they play. Uh, next up is the MPSF. This is UCLA's conference that they have dominated all year. So they're the one seed. They get a bye. Uh, everything else, uh, BYU plays Concordia. Stanford plays USC. Grand Canyon plays Pepperdine. I do like that 4-5 game, uh, Grand Canyon versus Pepperdine. Both those teams are pretty good. We saw Pepperdine back in Texas earlier in the year. Um, and then this this is a bracket that they reseed, so it's not like preset matchups. UCLA will play the lowest remaining seed after the, the first round. Uh, so I think this is all happening at Stanford. So a little home court advantage for Stanford to... I remember last year they actually they they beat I think it was UCLA before losing to Pep in the final of the MPSF tournament. Like Stanford almost got a bid to nationals last year, and now at doing it at home, they're probably going to need to do that to go to nationals this year for uh, Costi's team. And at home, anything's possible. I mean, UCLA is number two in the country; they're going to get an auto bid regardless. So mm-hmm. maybe Stanford pulls an upset. I'm I'm a little disappointed when we saw Stanford at the beginning of the year at Austin. I thought that was a team that was looking pretty good, uh, especially with uh, Theos Nui, that the freshman on on the the right on the the right side. But they just really haven't been able to to get it together throughout the, throughout the year. But I think it's kind of anyone's game between BYU, Stanford, and 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 GCU. To be honest, yeah, any of those games are going to be good. I think GCU and Pep will be good. Uh, Pep hasn't had that good of a conference season, but they showed flashes of really good volleyball sometimes when we saw them in Texas earlier in the year. So um, the MPSF is stacked. It kind of always has been. But again, even if UCLA doesn't win this tournament, they will go to nationals. They've been that good this year. All right. Fair enough. And are we talking about Conference Carolinas? Sure. There's a couple others. The the, the NEC is a brand new conference this year, the Northeast Conference. Um, So they do not get an auto bid to nationals this year, but hopefully next year they will. Um, this so Sacred Heart and St. Francis, Pennsylvania were in the EIVA. They split off um, to play in the NEC because it because the NEC actually sponsors every sport, and all of these programs that are playing NEC volleyball play NEC and everything else, which is great. It's like the only conference that's doing it correctly. The unfortunate news of the NEC, though, is that we're losing a team, St. Francis, Brooklyn. It's a program in New York City that isn't just cutting their men's volleyball team; they're cutting the entire athletic department at the end of this the end of this academic year. So Heard that is that, a really yeah. really tough break for their school but also for the men's volleyball community to lose a team. 
Yeah, I mean, it affects men's level way more than anyone else. Like, For sure. There's one team. It's such a big blow. Yeah, it's huge. It sucks. So, also, the Conference Carolinas. The Conference Carolinas does get an auto bid to Nationals. And if you remember last year, uh, North Greenville, who's the, the one seed in the CC this year, they actually won a game. They beat Princeton in the first round. It was the first Conference Carolinas win ever at the NCAA Championships. So, um, whoever wins the Conference Carolinas will get to go play in Virginia for a title. They, if if they win a game, they'll be thrilled with that. Um, probably going to be North Greenville again. Um, other than that, I don't know that much about the Conference Carolinas. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't know anything about them them either. So uh, have a cookie. Thanks for participating. Thanks for participating. <laughs> then uh, last thing on NCAA, there's like the one other like semi conference is for independent teams. It's like the Independent Volleyball Association which is like a conference, but it's not a conference. I've always been confused by that. So they had a conference, quote-unquote, tournament last weekend. Lincoln Memorial won it. Lincoln Memorial is pretty good. But another tough break, there's a team in the IVA called Limestone that they just found out just after the tournament out of nowhere that their men's volleyball program is being cut as well. So two men's volleyball programs in Division One slash 2 that will not be any longer after this season. That really hurts. Yeah, that that's that's tough. It's always tough when you lose volleyball. It's 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 tough to lose athletic programs, period. But losing volleyball programs, that's that's really where it hurts. It, it, it's losing men's volleyball programs. I mean, no one's gonna be cutting women's volleyball programs anytime no, soon, unless, no, you're, no, unless no, you're cutting all of your programs, all of your athletics. But uh, yeah, losing men's volleyball specifically, that that hurts. Yeah, I mean, we saw it with Stanford a couple years ago, and if Stanford can threaten to shut down men's volleyball, uh, nobody is safe. So. Um, men's men's NCAA volleyball does really need your viewership the next couple of weeks. So hit up off the block blog.com, uh, watch some conference tournaments this week. And when it comes to the NCAA championships in three weeks, maybe two weeks, it's like May 6th weekend. So like two and a half weeks from now, uh, we really need your viewership on that one too. And we'll preview that when that comes closer. Yep. All righty, Rob, that it for today that was another long show show. so much going on so much going on with the uh the the playoff stuff and you know what we're not going to talk about it yet but some countries are starting to let their uh long list out or put out their long list for vnl so we are on the doorstep of uh national team season and real quick i do want to thank you all our viewers and our listeners this time last year we had we're averaging around 250, 250 viewers per per episode. And now, you know, last week's episode was well over. I think we're at 2100 right now, plus another 100 uh, just on just on audio alone. So really appreciate everyone who's been coming out and and supporting the show and, and, and listening and, and watching. Um, it's, it's been awesome. Yeah, we've got a great community. We we love the community. It's like really we started this show for the volleyball source Discord and and the community that we've got going on in there. Since then, uh, both of them have exploded. And sometimes we get discouraged about the volleyball world, like with the volleyball source Instagram getting taken down and all the crap that we have to deal with fighting against the FIVB and all this stupid stuff. But doing this show and having you guys that love the show and watch it every week really uh, really makes it worth it for us. So thank you for that. Friendly reminder, Daddy Stankovich has appeared. Uh, he has shown up. I if did he, see him. I, I did I, see him this week. I think I saw you make a face when he showed up. So um, <laughs> Nice little you, smile. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if you know where Daddy Stankovich is, put it, put it in the timestamp right after the show is over. And also check out that volleyball.store for some cool gear. 
um all that plus uh check out the discord and, and uh, watch along with us as we watch like 50 different playoff games tomorrow it's gonna be awesome yeah gonna be a big day all right guys thank you very much have a great night check out the discord for tomorrow and we will see you next week same time same place peace